Welcome to Sea of Fire Ministries Podcast with Pastor James Myers. And now, we dive into the book of Acts. Let's go ahead and start. I basically already said that we're finishing chapter two, uh, 15. This might be fairly short. I don't really know. I mean, I, we do have a lot to talk about, but it's a very short narrative. So uh, this might be shorter than the typical ones, which I'm sure some of you are grateful for. <laughs> All right. Especially you. All right, you ready? Everybody ready? <clears throat> then it pleased the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, who is also named Barsabbas, and Silas, leading men among the brethren. They wrote this letter by them, the apostles, the elders, and the brethren, to the brethren who are of the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Greetings. Since we have heard that some who went out from us have troubled, troubled you with words, unsettling your souls, saying, You must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment, it seemed good to us, being assembled with one accord, to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who will also report the same things by word of mouth. Uh, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things that you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you you will do well. Farewell. So when they were sent off, they came to Antioch. When they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the letter. When they had read it, they rejoiced over its encouragement. Now Judas and Silas, themselves being prophets also, exhorted and strengthened the brethren with many words. And after they had stayed there uh, for a time, they were sent back with greetings from the brethren to the apostles. However, it seemed good to Silas to remain there. Paul and Barnabas also remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord, with many others also. Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city which, where we have preached the word, of, uh, the word of the Lord, and see how they are doing. Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia, and had not gone with them to the work. Then the, then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. All right. So, back up to verse 22. Then it pleased the apostles... Now the bar's not there. Great. Okay. Then it pleased the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, who was also named Barsabbas, and Silas, leading men among the brethren. So remember, last week we saw the Judaizers were pleased with the result, right? And now they're sending these men to Antioch. Remember, that's where that controversy has started. And now they're sending... Uh, uh, these men, Paul and uh, Barnabas, with Judas and Silas. I mean, he, his, he's, he was also named Barsabbas, but we'll see for the remainder, remainder of, when, of us seeing him, really, just in this chapter, they call, he's called Judas. Which, by the way, just testifies to that, you know, the evil done by the great betrayer wasn't in his name. You know, people get in, you know, have a problem with the name Judas, is really the man. Uh, anyway, so he's continually called Judas. Um, so again, it pleased, it pleased the apostles and elders with the whole church, remember, to send chosen men. So the apostles and elders with the whole church, that means 
what was consented to, which what, that was, what was agreed to in the council, it wasn't just agreed by the apostles and elders. So they're not saying, we're choosing you because we made up this decision. Remember, the whole church was satisfied. And so the whole church is sending these men out. The whole, the whole church is in agreement with this, uh, with this conclusion. Um, however, this is a, that, that, that settlement is a compromise of sorts, which we'll consider when we actually get to the letter, but it's a compromise. Um, so they chose men, sent them to Antioch where this dispute rose. Um, and again, Paul and Barnabas are sent with this uh, letter, this authoritative letter, uh, to settle this at last. Um, Barnabas and Silas were both of their own company. So that means the elders, the elders and the apostles and the whole church. These are, these are men of their own company, but that's really the apostles and elders. So these two men are most likely elders in the Jerusalem church. Um, and they're both prophets, as we'll see in, in verse 32. And we'll talk, we'll talk about the difference a little bit about New Testament prophecy and Old Testament prophecy fairly briefly and how we can distinguish a true prophet and a false prophet. But we'll get to that um, in uh, um, verse 32 because um, I kind of got to it here. So uh, little is known about Bar uh, Judas uh, who will return to, Ju uh, to Jerusalem in I think verse 33 and verse 34. Silas, however, is mentioned much through Paul's ministry. Uh, after, after this chapter, it goes exclusively to Paul. And, and in, the, in the next chapter, Silas is, is imprisoned with Paul. By the way, also, just, just a little side note, next chapter is also where we see Luke joining in the ministry, joining and going to these different places. And so he's actually an eyewitness of these things right now. This is probably testimony coming from Paul and all sorts of other men. And, but, you know, next chapter we see that he joined him. Um, so Silas becomes something of a substitute after that big contention, which we've been discussing forever. So we'll actually get to finally here. I have a funny little picture at the end, actually. But we'll actually finally get to talk about that and consider that. Uh, but basically, Silas becomes kind of a replacement for Barnabas. Um, now, we know what the name Barnabas uh, means. It's the son of encouragement. Uh, Paul is derived from Latin. It means small or little, but, it is, but it's linked to the Greek word pao, which means to make cease or desist, to restrain a thing or person from sin, something, to cease, to leave off, have got released from sin, no longer stirred by its enticements and seduction. So, I mean, that's a very good indication of who this man is. Uh, Barsabbas is of uh, Aramaic uh, origin and means son of Silas. Bar means son of. So whenever you see, like when we saw Bar Jesus, that means son of Jesus, Ben-Hur. Or uh, well, Ben is also a son of. Um, uh, doo -doo -doo. So that means uh, in the figurative sense of summoning one's wishes to desire to be inclined, to be willing, to be pleased, to desire to be pleased, to will. And so that's a good name for Judas because we'll see that he goes and with Silas and goes and strengthens the church, exhorting them, encouraging them, and all the rest. It's a great name for him. Uh, Luke, again, Luke continues to call uh, him Judas, however, which name we know. Remember, that means praise or to be praised. But that's what uh, Judas means, or Judah. The name Judas was popular because of Judas Maccabeus. Remember, we've talked about the book of Maccabees. He was the leader of that, that revolt. Great man, very important man in history, even for the church. Huge name. The Maccabees, very, very important. Uh, Silas means Woody. And, I mean, I could go ahead and speculate as to how to uh, you know, apply that to this gentleman, uh, but that would be just mere speculation, so I'm not going to do that. All right.
Okay. Verse 23, they wrote this letter by them, the apostles, the elders, and the brethren, to the brethren who are uh, of the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia, greetings. Now this is a customary address in ancient times, and I bet y'all thought we'd just breeze right through this. There's actually a lot here. Um, again, customary form of address, instead of signing the letter at the end, they logically actually put it at the beginning. This is coming from the apostles, the elders, and the brethren. These are the signatories, basically. So instead of putting it at the end of the letter, they actually logically say, hey, who's actually, here's who's actually writing the letter. I mean, if you think about it, it doesn't actually make any sense that you've got to go to the end of the letter to see who's even writing the letter. Anyway, uh, um, and yeah, here we see also, though, that this, this letter is sent to Syria and Cilicia. Now, we didn't see that controversy arising there, but there's obviously this same tendency, the, Judaizing, the Judaizer heresy is obviously happening in these, sec these uh, locations as well, Syria and Cilicia, okay, which we'll see on the map, but it's, not, it's just north uh, of where they are. It's north of Antioch. Remember, Antioch is in Syria, kind of near the coastlands, but we'll see it in the map. Um, uh, and... So all of them, all of those gentlemen, remember, go to Antioch. And then after that, that disagreement, after that contention, and then they separate, uh, Barnabas and John Mark go to Cyprus, and Paul and Silas go to Syria and Cilicia. And then they go on to go to the other, we'll talk about that, but it's just important to recognize. Um, again, we see the signatories are the apostles, the elders, and the brethren. The entire church is sending this letter. This is an authoritative letter of, a, of the whole assembly, of the whole multitude. Not one dissension. That's what this is saying. Not one disagree because we settled this matter. Um, uh, yeah, so that the authority of the apostles had been confirmed by the elders and accepted and received uh, by the church. Therefore, this dispute is absolutely and irrevocably resolved. Now, greetings is a form of salutation. Right? This just, just seems like a hello. It's not. It's used 74 times in the New Testament. One is here, as far, as far as just this introductory greeting. Another is in James. So there's a connection here. Remember, James was the judge of the council. And so it's, it's possible, anyway, that he's actually the one who wrote the letter. You know, with everybody around, everybody read it and agreed to it and everything. But it's probably him who's actually writing this letter. Very interesting. However, the word is also used to rejoice. It means to rejoice, be glad. Uh, the Greek word is Cairo, uh, to rejoice exceedingly, to be well, to thrive, and salutations hail. Uh, at the beginning of letters, to give a greeting of, of a salute. Um, so again, I want us to understand that at the beginning of this letter we, it can also mean, you know, they wrote this letter, the apostles, the elders, and the brethren, to the brethren who are of the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia, rejoice, rejoice exceedingly. Look, here, we've settled this matter. Rejoice. Cry, you know, the grace of our Lord is our only means of salvation. You know, rejoice over this. There's, this is fantastic. You know, there, there's no bondage here. You're freed in Christ. So rejoice. Rejoice exceedingly. That begins this letter. Um, so, again, James had used this. Paul uses the this. These are introductory forms that Paul uses through, through uh, all of his epistles. He uses the phrase, 
Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ and all uh, with little variations in his pastoral letters. In Galatians, which is a stern letter, he wasn't happy with Galatians, but he continues. So uh, uh, he says, Grace to you and the peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Another reason to rejoice. Uh, Peter's first epistle begins with grace to you and peace be multiplied. They begin with a benediction. That's what this greetings is. Uh, in Second Peter, he continues as well. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and, uh, and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by the glory and virtue by which have been, uh, been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Another reason to rejoice. In John's uh, second letter, he says, The elder to the uh, elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all those who have known the truth, because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will, uh, will be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. Another reason to rejoice. Again, this he, now he's even talking about all of the church. This is this is, applies to everybody. Last one. Uh, Jude begins with Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Another great cause to rejoice. So again, I want us to understand that they are addressing these people in to rejoice. They are encouraging them right at the outset. Before they even read the letter, they're saying rejoice. Um, this isn't a casual hello. This is a blessing. This is worship. Okay. Okay, so the letter. Verse 24 through 29. This is going to dance all over the place because I had to fix it afterward. But anyway, I have a bunch of notes here. Obviously, this is going to be the main body of this session. I mean, this is going to be where we're focused on mostly. Uh, since we have heard that some who went out from us have troubled you with, with words, unsettling your souls, saying, You must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment. It seemed good to us, being assembled with one accord, to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who will also report the same things by word of mouth. For it seemed good to, uh, to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden... We talked about that. Uh, then these necessary things that you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. Um, so again, the letter from the Jerusalem Council codifies uh, its conclusions. It, it aims to make theological unity a practical reality. Okay, real quickly, I want to go ahead and. Well, let's go ahead and just start from the beginning. Uh, this is the first time we see the Judaizers, uh, some who went out from us. The word here, uh, I think I have a Greek. Yeah, exerkomae. I wish I could write in the Greek. But uh, so the word who went out can also mean uh, to go or come forth of, but can metaphorically mean to go out of an assembly, like basically to forsake it. So they, they this has a lending toward these men were forsaken. These weren't sent out. It doesn't say who sent, you know, who were sent out, which they say about everybody they sent out. This says who went out from us, you know, so kind of forsaken the church a little bit. You know, again, not maliciously as we considered, and they're corrected, but who have troubled you with words unsettling your souls. Um, 
yeah, again, that in, might intimate that they were forsaken the church as well. Um, now, they say you must be circumcised and keep the law. This is the first time we kind of see that. Remember, the contention arose because of the, 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 the circumcision specifically. But they're talking about not only must you be saved by circumcision, but you're only saved by following the law. This is legalism at its core. Legalism is basically, especially in Christ, Christians, there's freedom in Christ. And we're going to get to this here in a second because a lot of Christians believe that you, you, they abstain from any sort of alcohol, any alcohol whatsoever. They, they think it's, it's a sin to drink alcohol. So they are adding to, they're even adding more laws that weren't even part of the Jewish law. This is legalism. They're, 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 they're putting a burden on you that God and Christ have not given. And that's what these, these men were doing. They were putting a burden that doesn't apply to us. This is why Christ came. Okay? That doesn't mean we're antinomians and just get to do whatever we want. No, we conform to him. We seek him. And thereby, we conform more and more into his likeness. Because if you try to follow the law to please God, you will not only fail, but that is a sin itself. You are pleasing to God only in and through his son. And then he finds you just as he sees him. Okay. Um, yeah, okay. So this letter goes on to say that uh, to whom we gave no such commandment. So they're making clear whatever these men said, we didn't tell them this. And so whatever authority, because what, what they're saying is that they had gone out from us. So these, these men who were coming from Jerusalem to Antioch were presumed to have an authority. You know, they're coming from the church of Jerusalem. And so these guys must know what they're talking about. And that's how kind of this contention arose. And then they went and settled it in Jerusalem. But now they're saying, to whom we give no such commandment. So whatever presumed authority you might have thought they had doesn't apply. Get rid of that entirely. We gave them no such commandment. Okay. It seemed good to us. It seemed good to us can also mean this. we find this pleasing. This is pleasing to us being assembled with one accord, including the Judaizers. So it's not some isolated sect. They didn't say, you know, and then we you know, you know, kick them out of the church and everything. No, this is, this is a settlement. Of, this is a united uh, set of settlement. Uh, being assembled with one accord again. Now, now we're not forcing <laughs> philosophical per, uh, context here, but being is an ontological referent. What, what this is saying, though, the being is assembled with one accord. The being of the church is completely united, and that's how God intends it to be, her to be. And so this, this is a great blessing, being assembled with one accord, all together, united. Uh, fixed and not broken, strong and not weak, whole and not withered. Uh, rather than the Judaizers who, who were not chosen, remember, who went out from us, they are sending chosen men. They're making it clear. Uh, our, our beloved Barnabas and Paul, who, who, men who risked their lives for the same, for the name of the Lord, for, for the, for, of our Lord. My goodness, let me go ahead and start that. Uh, men who have risked their lives for the same, for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, all right, anyway. So, uh, and, and he's specifically saying this because the Judaizers had suffered no such thing. 
The Judaizers would have been welcomed by the Jews. They, they would have seen the Judaizers as basically just another sect of Judaism, because that's all they were, basically. Again, a rose by any other name is still a rose. And that's what these Judaizers were teaching. Again, incorrectly, and they're, and they're corrected, but that's basically what they're teaching. So they're not getting persecuted for that. They're not getting persecuted for that at all. Basically, they're just, they see Jesus Christ as, an, as another rabbi, just as another rabbi kind of a thing. I mean, that's how the Jews would have seen it anyway. Um, so who risked their lives. Um, yeah, well, I already said that. Uh, this is to confirm their testimony and to resolve... Yeah, again, this is to affirm, confirm their testimony. Um, yeah, and a man's testimony shouldn't actually be measured by the breadth of danger and their closeness and nearness to death. False brothers and sisters have also been persecuted. So just, just because, you know, men who are risking their lives... It, that doesn't automatically make it to where they are a true believer. It's just important to recognize that. However, where a faithful preacher is found, there you will find a man risking his life. The Greek word for have risked or hazarded is uh, paradidomi. Paradidomi. Yeah. Uh, to give, which means to give into the hands of another, to give over into one's power or use, to deliver to one's... So, quickly, to give into the hands of another, that's what a faithful preacher does. He's literally, he wants to give his life. He wants to give his, all of what God is revealing to him, to you. He's truly trying to lay his life down for the cause of Christ so that he works through the preachers. The preacher isn't, you know, anything himself. He, he, he sets his life apart and he seeks for God to live in and through his word. To give over into one's power or use, same thing. You know, basically the preacher kind of gives himself over to uh, the ones or one to whom he's preaching. Uh, to commit, to command, again, the preacher commits and commands himself to be faithful, uh, to, the, to deliver verbally, and that's pretty obvious, and to permit or allow, again, the, the, the preacher, the true preacher, and the true brother and sister uh, permits or allows the truth of God to, to just flow, to, for that to be the primary focus, not him. It's very important because many false brothers and sisters who sought their own glory perished just the same. They were persecuted as well. So it's just important to recognize um, therefore, this risking, uh, meant, the risking meant, uh, mentioned in this letter is to confirm their true and faithful preaching. We see that Barnabas was also, or Barsabbas, we already mentioned that uh, he's referred to as Judas from now on. Um, Judas is the Greek for Judah. We already know that. Uh, and we know two of, one of Christ's half-brothers was named Judas and also James. Just incidentally, uh, he, had, he had two others, which were Hoses. And that's Joseph. Remember, his father's name was Joseph. And Simon, which is kind of interesting. Christ is the one who renames Simon to Peter. So it could have been, hey, my brother has that name, so <laughs> let's call you Peter. I don't think that's what it is. but um, And Judas and Silas will re report these same things. So we have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who will also report the same things by word of mouth. So Paul and Barnabas basically keep a, lot of, a copy of this letter, most likely copy it continually for 
uh, distribution, which we've discussed. You know, these letters to churches would be copied and, and, and sent to other churches to be read in those congregations. Um, uh, yeah, and as we mentioned last week, this first seemed good to, good to the Holy Spirit, first of all, because this is the one, remember, God is the one who attested to that counsel, and he's the one who confirmed, and to us, to lay upon you no greater burden than is necessary. Again, the Christian will have their own burdens. Uh, and, as we discussed, these were pagan practices, okay? And again, we mentioned sexual immorality, so we're, we're just going to discuss the other things. This is where the, uh, the, the um, compromise of sorts is happening, okay? So, the Jewish Christian mu- must recognize that the Gentile Christian is, is not under the Jewish ceremonial laws anymore. But the Gentile Christian ought to be sensitive to his Jewish brother or sister, to, to them believing that they still, that is still applied. Now, I was going to reconcile this later, but let's go ahead and do this now before we even get into this. In Romans 14, Paul goes on to kind of the freedom found in Christ, you know, where, where uh, we have complete liberty, complete liberty, especially insofar as a diet, is, diet goes. And that's kind of what he's talking about, but he's using it as an analogy insofar as our liberty in Christ. But, but he's talking about, you know, one brother will, will, will think that he can just eat anything. Because our freedom in Christ, he believes, you know, and he's he's completely free because that's that's that that is true Christianity. You know, the diet has been <laughs> expunged, you know, and so they are fit and right to do that. But if you come across a brother who says, you know, who believes that it's that it's against God to eat pork or whatever, then it's then it's the duty of the free Christian to not eat pork around that person. Okay, because you're you're because if they, I will say this. This isn't relative. This isn't moral relativism. But if you find drinking to be a sin, then don't drink. Then you shouldn't drink because then it is a sin. But if you see that freedom where you know he doesn't compel us not to drink, then that's that's fine. But if you if you do see it as a sin then it is sin to you because in your conscience, you're acting against God. Whether it's actually written somewhere is another story. You're still acting conscientiously against him, uh, even in what you yourself uh, are, are putting on yourself. So this is, this is a compromise of source, source, source. I don't know if we mentioned, but uh, in... In that time, did we mention that where where uh, the pagan uh, sacrifices would basically be left, and then yeah, they'd sell it in the marketplace. They had to be careful about. It. Okay, good. Um, so basically, what they're saying is, since since these Jews are in Antioch and they're in Syria and they're in Cilicia, look, abstain from these things offered to idols, from blood, and from things strangled. Now, just so we know. In Christ, we are free to eat these things. Now, I don't, I'm not interested in eating blood. <laughs> Something strangled, I don't know, that may or may not be a little too tough. <laughs> you know, there are, there's a lot there, you know. But the blood is drained from animals in any way. I mean, so we don't really run into that problem. And, you know, there aren't really many sacrifices to idols now anyway. Well, 
you know, like they like we saw in the ancient times anyway, or as we read in the ancient times. So it's just important to recognize that this is this is agreed as a compromise, though. This is not a commandment to continue with the Christian. That we have absolute freedom in Christ and liberty to for our diet. Remember that vision that that, that Peter had with the sheet of all the common, you know, animals and unclean animals, and and Christ says, you know, don't call common or unclean that which I have made uncommon, you know, or you know, which I've liberated. You know, you're free from that uh, um, entanglement. However, again, this one does continue. The, the prohibition against sexual immorality does continue. Basically, let me let me put it, and this is a gross over uh, summarization, but basically the Christian law, it, first of all, the commandment for Christ is to love one another. Remember, the first commandment is to love God, all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. But he says, you know, love each other and so forth, and you know, the fact that you love each other, you'll show the world that you were Christians kind of a thing. But the law of the Christian is basically the conscience. And that's why, you know, that's kind of why this, the Jewish ceremonial laws are extinguished. Now, the, the conscience, the law that God gives all men, that is a law by which we're uh, judged by. You know? And none of us f- fulfill that either. And so we still need Christ. But the freedom... Is found therein. Okay. Um, again, now sacrificing to idols was obviously prohibited in the first commandment. Uh, Exodus 20, uh, verses 3 through 6 says, You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is heaven in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. Leviticus 17, 10 through 12 say, And whatever man of the house of Israel or of the strangers who dwell among you who eats any blood, I will set my face against that person who eats blood and will cut him off. This just goes on to say all the things that are prohibiting these things, which is why the Jew is so, you know, uh, committed to that. Mm-hmm. Um, the blood specifically was, was prohibited after the flood. So that was before the Abrahamic covenant. So again, even the Judaizers, I think, would see, since it was given to Noah, which basically, he was the only, you know, he and his family were only, it's basically like a command given to Adam, kind of a thing, you know, because they were the only ones there. And so they see that this command should probably carry over, right? And again, like, I just don't have any interest in eating blood. That's gross. So, uh... Again, I can't, I can't find another uh, restriction uh, specifically in the Bible to prohibit things strangled, but the sacrifice would necessitate blood. You know, the, the, the true and right sacrifice of an animal, it was the blood that was the atoning factor, okay, for that person. So that's probably why uh, it's seen that way. All right, and last but not least... Um, Oh, oh, I guess I already said that. Uh, okay, now let well, we already did that. Uh, reconciling the the eating, you know, prohibited here, but the freedom that Paul talks about in chapter 14 of uh, Romans. Uh, 
Um, farewell is only used twice in the Bible, uh, and both are letters in Acts. However, the Greek word is hronumi, uh, which can also mean to make strong, strengthen, to be strong, to thrive, to prosper. So again, just as in the uh, greetings, this is another encouragement to, make, to strengthen, to be strong, to thrive, and to prosper. So again, this... These are two words that basically say, mean, seem like hello and goodbye, but there's just a lot more there. Again, important to recognize. Okay, verses 30 through 31, or 30 and 31. So when they were sent off, they came to Antioch. And when they had gathered to the multitude together, they, de- they delivered the letter. Why can't I read today? Uh, when they had read it, they rejoiced over its encouragement. So again, when they were sent off, they came to Antioch. That's where the first place where they were, uh, they were going. Uh, where the dispute first arose, they delivered the letter to the whole church, uh, who rejoiced over its encouragement, which which signifies that this was a compromise. They're encouraged by this. And again, remember, greetings and farewell is another encouragement. Rejoice, rejoice. There's liberty in Christ. Um, you need a, you need a moment. You sure? Yeah. Yeah. Why don't you do that? That's okay, buddy. Okay. Okay. Again, uh, they're they're encouraged because they're, this is a comp- compromise regarding the uh, diet. Again, sexual immorality is still uh, uh, prohibited. Liberty in Christ permits a liberal diet, but freedom in, uh, is found in sexual obedience. That's very important. Uh, the you know, sex is designed only for uh, husband and wife, and that's where liberty is found. And we can talk about that another time. Uh, we can reconcile the diet, but we can't re- reconcile sexual immorality. While Paul allows for the one, he strictly, strictly prohibits the other. All right. Okay, 32 through 33. Now Judas and Silas, themselves being prophets also, exhorted and strengthened the brethren with many words. And after they had stayed there for a time, they were sent back with greetings from the brethren uh, to the apostles. So these men, themselves being prophets also, okay, real quickly, difference between a new prophet, uh, an Old Testament prophet and a New Testament prophet. We briefly mentioned this. The Old Testament spoke according to the revelation that he was given by God. Thus saith the Lord, and they would, they, would, they would pronounce their prophecies that way. Some of the New Testament prophets, as we uh, saw in chapter 12, I believe it was, do prognosticate. Remember, there was one who prophesied there was, the famine was coming. Remember, so part of that does continue that way. But mostly in the New Testament, the prophet is, is exhorting the people through the word of God. Okay, and now there are six indicators to help you distinguish between a true prophet and a false prophet. So I'm just going to give you six real quickly. A true prophet's word will come to pass. A false prophet's predictive word will not come to pass. It's in Deuteronomy 18 and Jeremiah 23. A true prophet will, uh, never gives a word that contradicts the Bible. A false prophet will twist, will twist scripture to validate a dream or vision they had. For example, false prophets will take prophecies explicitly intended for Israel and apply them to the United States. You see people doing this. Directly contradicting God's promises in the Bible. Uh, Three, a true prophet does not brag or is greedy for gain. A false prophet brags about receiving a prophetic word or vision from God uh, as if they are divinely anointed and exploits the church for financial gain. 
Four, a true prophet's ministry aligns with what the Bible teaches. A false prophet talks more about their heavenly visions and prophetic words than they teach contextually from the Holy Bible. Lamentations 2.14 says, uh, your prophets have seen... Uh, your prophets have seen for you false and deceptive visions. They have not exposed your iniquity to restore your fortunes, but have seen uh, for you oracles that are false and misleading. Five, a true prophet edifies the church and points people to Jesus Christ. A false prophet doesn't uh, call people to repentance, but shares messages that appeal to their wants and desires. Second Timothy 4, 3 through 4, uh, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itch itching ears, uh, they will ac accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Lastly, a true pro prophet's defense comes from the, uh, from the Holy Spirit. A false prophet continually tells people that they are not fa a false prophet. So those are six indicators. Uh, so these prophets are exhorting or urging and encouraging to continue in the faith. See, they're exhorting and strengthening the brethren with many words. These are true prophets. Okay. Uh, that salvation is by grace alone, which strengthens the brethren, is the purpose of preaching. And they stayed there for a time. Again, we never know how long, but it's obviously for a decent amount of time. And then they were sent back with greetings from the brethren to the apostles. But we'll see, actually, that Silas stayed behind. And Saul and Barnabas are still there. Silas, again, stays behind. We see John Mark. Well, we'll see John Mark is there as well. So the only one apparently gone, that went back is Judas. This is the last time we see him uh, when he takes off. Okay. Okay, verse 36. Then after some days, uh, Paul said to Barnabas, uh, let us now go back and visit our brethren in, very, in every city where we have preached the word of, of the Lord and see how they are doing. So they've yet to, remember, they're in Antioch here. Remember, the letter is being sent to Syria and Cilicia too. And so this is what they're agreeing to do after they, we'll see in the map here. So this is where Antioch is. And here, well, here's Galatia. I mean, Syria is all over this place. Um, what's the other area? Cilicia. There's Cilicia. Remember, in, in uh, the hometown of Paul, Tarsus, is, is in Cilicia. So... And they're talking, and they're talking about going to all the other brethren. So in every other city, so they're most likely going to go through Syria and send the letter there too. Then through Cilicia, and then go up to Derby, and then go this way. That's basically probably the plan. What? Oh, okay. Uh, does that make sense though? That they're they're agreeing to do this, and then they're going to do it following uh, uh, going to these areas. Um, and this, this is this is this is great indication of a pastor or a shepherd uh, leading their flock. You know, they're not content to just uh, big guy. If you want to go lie down or something, yeah. buddy, I mean, you can. Well, I don't want you to suffer through. Okay. All right. Um, just so you know, I mean, I, 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 I'm fine with that. I don't want you suffering? I mean, I feel badly enough. <laughs> He's trying to fight through it. Um, anyway, so they're go they're they're not satisfied to just preach the salvation of these people. They want to go back to all of them and strengthen and encourage them to continue in the faith. So and see how they're doing. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. They're the apostles were were not merely to reach the Gentiles for conversion. They're to strengthen the church until the, the day of the Lord. That's what the apostles are for. Okay. 
All right, 37-38. Now Barnabas was determined to take with them. John called Mark, but Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. So apparently John Mark was in Antioch. Remember, uh, Barnabas, it, 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 there's an indication anyway that this John Mark was a cousin of Barnabas, okay? And remember, John Mark, his mother, Mary, lives in Jerusalem. Remember, that's where the brethren were meeting and praying for uh, Peter's deliverance and all that. Um, and so he's there somehow. And, uh, um, and remember, he had gone out with them the first time when, they, when they, were, they had been called in Antioch and separated by the Holy Spirit to go to the Gentiles, remember? And John Mark was there and he went with them. Well, let's go back to the map real quickly. He went with them to Cyprus, and then once they hit Perga, he took off. Now, there was, there's no indication that there was any persecution here. We have no idea why John Mark took off. We have no idea why he, didn't, why he departed. But Paul, back over here, Paul is obviously upset that he had not gone with them to the work. Whatever caused John Mark to leave them, to, to, to just discontinue in the ministry, Paul doesn't see a legitimate excuse. So whatever decision it was, whether it was fear, whether it was anxiety, whether he just wanted to get back home to his mom, you know, we don't really know. But whatever it was, Paul didn't think it was reason enough. Okay, so Paul is having a big problem with this. Barnabas sees that the conversion of Christians is only by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, but also his sanctification. You know, we saw we never saw John. Uh, I mean, Simon Magus repent for his for his iniquity. So he wasn't a brother who did something wrong and then repented for it, like the Judaizers did, like the Judaizers did. You know, they were they were preaching and teaching this this heresy, and once they're corrected, they basically repent and then they agree to everything else. You know, so that's how Barnabas sees it. Somehow, Saul, well, Paul has not. Somehow Paul is not yet. We will see, though, in his letters, he commends Barnabas and he commends John Mark. So some, in some point uh, in his ministry, God apparently showed him the error of his ways regarding this. Okay, Because he does later commend Barnabas and he does commend uh, John Mark. Okay. Yeah, that's about all I really want to say now. All right. 39 through 41. Then the contention became so sharp that they had uh, parted from one another. That they parted from one another. Uh, and so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, being condemned by the brethren to the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. I find this to be a very sad part regarding Paul. Obviously, this is a fall of Paul. But we'll, we also see, um, you know, this is this is... One, it's a mistake. These are still men. We see in his letters that he had to confront Peter face to face because apparently when, when the Jews weren't in the city where he was, he would eat and drink with the Gentiles. Everything was fine. But when the Jews came, he would isolate himself and only eat with the Jews because it was still, according to Judaism, you know, it's unlawful to, to eat with the Gentiles. And, you know, then Paul had to confront him to his face. And even Barnabas was led into that. We'll, we'll, we'll see that in his letters. And so these are still men. These are still men prone to error, just as any other men. They're called to the purpose of God, but they're not God themselves. Um, so, 
uh, yeah, and they had been, remember, in Antioch, they had been separated from, for the Holy Spirit, remember, he even said, God said, separate to me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work that I, to which I have called them for. And now they're separating. The, the whole beginning of this, this chapter led into the unity that, that, that was made after that heresy. So that disunity came to be unity, and now this is disunity. These two men, who, who had resolved with these Judaizers, this huge, crazy heresy, to go into Jerusalem to settle the matter, are now just deciding to just separate. You know, they're not going to get this fixed. They're not, they're not, they're not seeking to, you know, settle this deal. They just decide that we're, we're in an impasse and we're not going to fix this. And so we are going to separate. Now, this is where what man meant for evil, I mean, they don't really mean it for evil, but God uses it for good. Where one group of men were going to go to these different areas, now we have two groups. Okay, so logistically, you know, it kind of works out for God. You know, and 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 we see uh, Barnabas sailed to, or uh, Barnabas took Mark and went back to that island they had first met and gone to, and uh, Paul and Paul chose Silas, and they went to Syria and Cilicia. This is the last time we see Barnabas in the Book of Acts. So, kind of a word too about him. Um, his his name obviously is a son of encouragement. So we're really not going to talk about him though. Encouragement. Encouragement is a great task for any preaching, any, any, any sharing the gospel. And I, want, I just wanted to take a little bit of time and encourage y'all. I mean, it's, it's, it's been a wonderful blessing. You know, whatever, whatever blessing you may or may not, not get from this, I just want you to know it's a great blessing for me to see God working in each and every one of your lives. And, and that's why this is a corporate worship service. Just because I'm the one who's speaking doesn't make it less us, just us. It's not, it's not just y'all. <laughs> I get a lot. I get just as blessed, you know, the same way, in fact. I mean, you know, different means and all this kind of a thing. But we're all encouraged together. But I love seeing what God is doing in your, your lives. I love... I love the, the, the true faithfulness that, is, that he is manifesting in your hearts and minds and seeing that just become more and more who you are. You're not forcing it. And so I just want to encourage you that, to keep on that path. Don't, don't, don't put a burden on yourself that isn't there. And, but seek after the Lord continually in his righteousness, in his grace, in his mercy, and you will find him. Because he's already there in and through you. And so just continue there. But it's just, it's been a wonderful blessing, wonderful encouragement to me as well. And that's why I just want to share that this is a union. This is a beautiful body in which this is one union of worship. Again, just because I'm talking doesn't make it any different that way. Okay? That's a wonderful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And that's how God intends it. You know, that's really why the, the, the real preacher wants to get out of the way. <laughs> let, God, let God do his thing. You know, that's what this, how he intended it.
It's, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. He could write in the sky. He could do all sorts of different things to show himself, to manifest himself. He could come and, you know, and have these occasions where he, uh, you know, he shows himself or whatever. But he's chosen the foolishness of preaching, that's what Paul says, to bring many people to himself. And so I'm just, again, one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. I'm just one Christian telling another Christian the glory of our Savior. And we're all encouraged by that. Okay? All right. Um, yeah, again, we don't know why uh, John Mark had departed. Um, okay. Yeah, that. I'm sorry. I basically already did all that. But again, so next chapter, we will see Luke joining this ministry. Uh, he was apparently in Trous. He might have lived there. Uh, but early on, we're going to see um, that he joins uh, this uh, ministry. Um, and again, the rest of the book of Acts is specific to the ministry of Paul. And, and it ends kind of anticlimactically. Just so you know, if you actually read it, it just ends with him in prison. And it doesn't really seem, seems like it get, gets cut off, but it doesn't. So, praise God for his word. Any questions on that? We are going... Any questions? Good. Okay, we're going to read Isaiah 54 and 55, because again, they're relatively short. Um, So, again, I'll have it up here. And again, these are all applicable to to Christ. These are... These are... Yeah, that's a good idea. These are Old Testament prophecies link, linking to Christ and prophesying about him before he comes. Wait a moment. Gross. So I tried, I changed the transitions too. So remember, used to like do these flashes. Was that blinding? So I changed it like that. Was the flash, were the flashes blinding? No. They just seemed like they were crazy bright. Okay, ready? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> All right. Sing, O barren, you who, you who have not born. Break, break forth into singing and cry aloud. You, have not, you who have not labored with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed. Neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. For you will forget the shame of your youth and will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. For your maker is your husband, the Lord of hosts is his name, and your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth, for the Lord has called you like a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit, like a youthful wife when you were when you were refused, says your God. For a mere moment I have forsaken you, but with great mercies I will gather you. With a little wrath I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness I will have mercy on you, says the Lord, your redeemer. For this is like the waters of Noah to me, for I have sworn that the waters of Noah will no, would no longer cover the earth. So have I sworn that I would not be angry with you nor rebuke you. For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, 
but my kindness shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has mercy on you. O you afflicted one, tossed with tempests and not comforted, behold, I will lay your stones with colorful gems, and lay your foundations with sapphires. I will make your pinnacles of, of rubies, your gates of crystal, and, your, and all your walls of precious stones. All your children shall be taught by the Lord, and great shall be this peace of your children. In righteousness you shall be established, you shall be far from oppression, for you shall not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near you. Indeed, they shall surely assemble, but not because of me. Whoever assembles against you shall fail for your sake, fall for your sake. Behold, I have created the blacksmith who blows in the coals in the fire, who brings forth an instrument for his work, and I have created the spoiler to destroy. No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from, is from me, says the Lord. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread, and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me, and eat what is good, and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Here and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, the sure mercies of David. Indeed, I have given him as a witness to the people, a leader and commander for the people. Surely you shall call a nation you do not know, and nations who do not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him, and to our God, for he, has, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, they do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and, br and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out with joy, and be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn, instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree, and it shall be to the Lord for a name, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Perfect grace is thine to give, thy word is thine to speak. Give us bread that we might live, hearts for thee to seek that we never should wander, lead us straight in thy way. Give us wisdom to ponder thy truth every day. Give us voices to witness thy name to all men. Give us ears for thy richness, for this is thy plan. For before there was time, thou didst inscribe our names, that wisdom sublime, and it is what thou proclaimst. Fill us with a sea of fire, and faith to endure, for it is thy great desire, and thine to ensure. Quickly before we pray. I did want to say that is another encouragement because remember in the in the, the last Isaiah he says, "I've inscribed you on the palm of my hands." Obviously, we I hope we can all understand what that means. The scars in his hands are our name, written by his perfect sacrifice, his resurrection, his ascension. Praise be to God. <clears throat> Thank <clears throat> you.
Father, full of grace and truth, thank you for your word. Thank you for your son, and thank you for your salvation. Magnify your name, God. Encourage your sons and daughters to continue in your way, to seek and to love you, to obey you in fear and reverence, seeking you with all our minds and with all our hearts, that your faithfulness might be poured out into our faithfulness. In your amazing son's name we ask Amen. Thank you for listening to CFIR Ministries Podcast with Pastor James Myers. We hope you enjoy this message. Please subscribe and follow us. Tune in as we continue in the book of Acts.